0: I don't know about you, but I love working from home, and obviously that comes with its own set of responsibilities, but if you share this sentiment, uh, you may have noticed that the remote work trend is increasing. Even though today's episode is not fully focused on remote work, it's focused on John Mida, who's the global head of computational design at a company called Automatic, we cover uh his new initiative uh design from anywhere and all kinds of other things related to breaking into the tech world as a designer Uh, remote work is a trend that doesn't just affect design it's affecting engineering and even uh, sales teams and things like that um and it's going to be something that's going to become more and more relevant in the future of work which is why we thought it was important to cover it um The Breaking Stars podcast explains what's going on in the tech world for those of you that are listening for the first time uh, so that you can learn how to break in and and level up and get the skills to navigate this space. But we're also going to cover concepts like STEAM instead of STEM. We're going to talk about why it's important for engineers to learn design and for designers to learn more about engineering. We're going to talk about... um, founding companies at 19 years old we're going to talk about side projects we're going to talk about the design and tech report uh that was created at Kleiner Perkins that John also helped to start and all kinds of other things it's it's a great episode um whether you want to be a designer or not um and if if you are one of those people please join our our Facebook community at Breaking Startups like our page leave a review tell your friends and without further ado let's break in. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10X. Yo, yo, yo. This is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Arthur and Timor Meister. And this is the Breaking Stars podcast. Timor, can you please tell the people what we're doing today?
1: Yeah. It's 7 a.m. San Francisco time. And we're sitting here at Workshop Cafe. Our guests don't always come to us. Sometimes they're so dope that we use Zoom to interview guests from around the world. Today we have a very special guest coming to us from the East Coast. Uh, Ruben, can you please introduce the guest?
0: Absolutely. We're here with John Maida, who's the global head of computational design and inclusion at Automatic. For those of you that don't know, before this, he was a partner at Kleiner Perkins, where he founded the design and tech report that's read by people all over the world. He's fascinated with things like remote work and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a second. He's definitely an inspiration in the design world by serving on the board of directors Sonos and Whedon and Kennedy and last night he actually coded something or created a website for you all called Design From Anywhere that can be found at designfromanywhere.wordpress.com where it explains uh, not just about remote work, but it also talks about inclusion and what the field is and how you all can get into these types of positions and do it from anywhere. So, John, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Ruben and Meister Brothers. (laughs) No problem. So, So
0: tell us a little bit more about Design From Anywhere.
2: Well, I've been working from anywhere for a year now. I joined Automatic. It's a fully distributed company. Mm-hmm. There's uh, over 500 people across 50 countries and there's no headquarters. And it shows that a tech company doesn't have to be in San Francisco.
0: That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And so um, for the people that, that are interested in this website and, and just distributed workplaces, you know, what are some of the things that they'll find when they go there?
2: Well, it's, I just put it together last night. So it's, it's sort of a work <laughs> in progress. I like fresh sites. So mm-hmm. it's freshly brewed. And I guess my goal there is to help people see that the tech industry has been non-inclusive because it's kind of hard to get to San Francisco. I'm sure all of you weathered getting there if you weren't there already. And it's very expensive to be there. Yeah, And the networks are very well set. Mm-hmm. So your chances of succeeding are, are kind of low. Mm-hmm. And remote work, however is something that you can do from anywhere in the world. You don't have to move. Can be with your family. You can be with your friends. It can be in the neighborhood you want to be in, and you can work in the technology industry. I think that's important.
0: It's very yeah. important, especially given the shift with like technology taking over every industry, and AI, and machine learning. So these types of opportunities are really exciting. And, and you're actually our first senior designer that we have featured on the podcast. And so for people that want to level up to your position. Can you tell us what the, a global head of computational design and inclusion does at Automatic?
2: Well, I guess a simple way to say it is technology didn't have to have design in the past. Mm -hmm. People just bought it because it was good and fast Mm -hmm. or it was, had huge memory. And, but people who bought this stuff were nerds. (laughs) <laughs> they were. They just just wanted. I want a bigger computer. I want a faster thing. I just, and so it wasn't designed for everybody. It didn't have to appeal to everybody. Yeah. But in 2008, 2009, when the smartphone revolution occurred, mm-hmm. suddenly everybody had a computer. Yeah. And if everybody has a computer. Speed, memory, just don't matter as much as does this feel right. Yeah. Does yeah. it make me look right? Yeah. And so design became a big deal in technology. Yeah. And that's the, that was the, the subject of the design and tech report. Yeah. And I joined Automatic because Automatic, the CEO, Matt Mullenweg, yep. has been a long proponent of ease of use design. Mm-hmm. And he asked me to come on board to see if I could have an impact on his company.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So for the people that don't know, tell us a little bit more about Automatic.
2: Oh. Well, I think of Automatic as a company that you don't know about, mm-hmm. but is a company that hopefully you'll care about the way I care about, because yeah. Automatic is working for freedom, democracy, mm-hmm. the ability for anyone to not be locked in yeah. to their platform, yeah. get anywhere you want to go, and control your own message your own way. Yeah. And it's founded by a man named Matt Mullenweg, who at the age of 19... 19 years old. That's amazing. Wow. Co founded the WordPress project, open wow. source CMS system. Yep. And you can just imagine being 19 and people saying, oh, this is never going to take off. Yeah. It's open source. You give it away for free. <laughs> 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 and then, you know, over 15 years later, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's used by a lot of people, it's empowered their voice. And we and, use it on breaking into startups too. Yeah. Our whole That's website. so cool. Yeah. So it's built this movement where I can control my own destiny, which I'm proud to be a part of.
1: Yeah, totally. And uh, kind of, you have such a long history, and you've done a lot. You've partnered with a lot of companies. You've advised them. You've worked for Klein Perkins. So tell us a little bit more about how you got your start in design, and yeah. what led you to Silicon Valley.
2: Right. Well, I was at MIT for most of my younger life. Mm-hmm. I was. I went there for school. I was a professor there. Mm-hmm. And I was always close to technology. Mm-hmm. And I was originally trained as a computer scientist.
1: Okay. okay. Interesting.
2: And so I came to design later mm-hmm. and began to put the two together in the 90s. Okay. I began things out of code. Mm-hmm. And over time I began realizing that code and design was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be a part of that. And so when I was invited to come out to Silicon Valley, by Kleiner Perkins and then eBay Incorporated's CEO John Donahoe, mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, well, I want to I learn. Yeah. Put me in the game. Yeah. And that's how I started. Yeah. Valley.
1: And it's a very kind of non-traditional way to get into design to kind of start with computer science and more on the technical side. What uh, perceived advantages or disadvantages do you think you had coming in into the design from a more technical
2: background? Yes. Yeah. Ah, great yeah. question. I think it's all advantage mm-hmm. because for someone just studying pure design, it's they get stuck because they don't understand how the computer works. Yeah. For someone who understands how the computer works down to the I worked on the chip level as well. Also mm-hmm. all the way from the software to hard work to chip design. I understand its limitations mm-hmm. and so I know how to push it. That said, it took me a long time to gain that knowledge. Now, fast forward to 2017, a lot of designers can study the classical way, mm-hmm. but can pick up computation now much faster. I mean, like, I mean, I'm learning like a Lynda.com, like <laughs> React, the latest React, or I'll yeah. go to someone's site to learn the latest thing. So yeah. that's been democratized. So it's great.
0: Yeah. yeah. And while, while you were at MIT, you actually created a community emphasizing these things where you wanted engineers to understand design and designers to understand how to code you know, why did you start that community? How big was that community? Does Um, that still exist?
2: Right. Well, you know, that that was an era in the 90s where for someone to say that was considered outright outlandish. (laughs) And so the reason why I loved being in Silicon Valley is I would work with so many founders Mm -hmm. who were saying outlandish things. Like, oh, that's never Mm going to happen. Mm -hmm. Just go home. Mm -hmm. So I know that because in the 90s, People would tell me, just go home. (laughs) No no one's going to care about this computer code gibberish stuff, John, and design or art. Nobody's going to care, so go home. But I persisted, Mm -hmm. and I found people around the world who could do both, who could do engineering and can do design. Mm -hmm. And that led to finding a lot of, I was lucky to find a lot of great talent, Ben Fry and Casey Rees, who founded the project Processing. Mm-hmm. is an open source graphics system, Gold on 11, an artist and a lead at Carnegie Mellon now, uh, who brings together people who can code, design, make art and all their students have been, done such, been doing such amazing work. But I left that field because I realized that my relevance was just going to dissipate because I could either control the field, mm-hmm. you know, as the leader, or I could say, huh, I want to learn something new. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> so I, I switched to the business world. Yeah, I got my MBA to understand money mm-hmm. and organizations.
0: Mm-hmm. Important things to understand. Yeah. And um, I think that um, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to, to see what you've been doing, not just for yourself, but also for everyone else. And so I know we're talking about you, know, you at an executive level, but you know, what's some advice that you give to people that are junior that are trying to break in? I mean, like some tools that you kind of point them to or resources like or programs that they might want to know about.
2: Right. Well, there's, you know, you can be a designer, you can be an engineer, you can be a business student, you can be a mid-level manager. I think that for anyone that comes to me for advice, and I don't pretend to have advice because I'm still learning. <laughs> I <have> to <laughs> do new things, try new things, um, unlearn. The one thing I've kind of realized, though, is that capital is very important. hmm mm-hmm. An absence of capital really can't experiment. Mm-hmm. If you have access to no capital, you have to you have to live. Yeah, you have to make enough to eat. Yeah, and that's hard to do. Yeah, and if you're making more than you need to eat and yeah. live on, then you have capital and you could invest that in different ways. Yeah. So if anyone asks me like career advice, I tell them that they have ac- they have to have capital in some shape or form mm-hmm. or they won't get to ideate experiment mm-hmm. adventure
1: mm-hmm. yeah are you kind of hitting, hinting at kind of functional design versus kind of more experience focused design because like there's some companies that just want to ship products and they care less about user experience and then there's some that have the opportunity to prototype and user surveys and kind of improve on their experience. And there's definitely some iconic companies nowadays that have pushed way further than their competitors because they've built an into a competitive advantage. But kind of from your perspective, how do you think that applies to companies of like, I guess you mentioned capital constraints, but do you see that occur with startups as well?
2: Oh, well, oh, I like that framing. So first of all, you need capital to have freedom to mm-hmm. experiment. Mm-hmm. You need ownership of something. That you control. Now, when you apply it to a company and whether or not it's design that's pragmatic or mm. purely experiential, mm. you need the basics. You need the pragmatic. It's got to work. You yeah. can sprinkle on design and spray it on. And you can like pour everything all over it. That frosting might be good, but the cake <laughs> tastes terrible. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> it's, it's not going to work. Yeah. So design has to be in the cake mm-hmm. itself. It yeah. has to start from there. And that's where I think that it's difficult in the design field to understand what that means. That's why in the design and tech report, I define three kinds of design. Mm -hmm. And if you can look at the three kinds of designs, you can figure out, oh, this kind of design versus that kind of design Mm -hmm. versus that kind of design.
1: Yeah. What are the three types for our listeners?
2: Yeah. The three types of design are, number one, Mm -hmm. classical design. Mm -hmm. This is like design of like, you know, my vest here. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to design your glasses or like, you know, this is on your headphones. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. Something in the physical world. Yeah. It's design that we've known how to do for a long time. Mm -hmm. Product design, graphic design. I'm not, not product design we talk about in Silicon Valley. Yeah. But like, like a shelf. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ikea chair. That's been around for like uh, over a century. Mm -hmm. Graphic design as well. So physical things. um, The old way of design. Newspapers, stuff like that. Exactly. Then the second type of design is design thinking.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Design thinking is more of a business oriented design. It's an organizational approach. It's an ideation approach. It's a way to reduce risk mm-hmm. and to collaborate and to come to consensus. And this kind of design involves post-it notes, like sticky notes mm-hmm. and like markers. I'm sure you've seen it like whiteboards, yeah. it's everywhere. And it's a way to really think together which doesn't look like, like, quote unquote, cool design, but large corporations need this kind of process to ideate, break out of their narrowness. Mm -hmm. Third kind of design is computational design. And computational design pertains to any design that is linked to this magical device called the computer, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: which is almost like an alien substance (laughs) in that it gets faster and better Twice as fast, twice as good every year to year and a half based Mm -hmm. on Moore's law. Yeah, and it's a brand new kind of design. It's not the same as classical design. Mm -hmm. It's not design thinking. Yeah, it's a new kind of design. Yeah,
0: Yeah. totally. And now that you're like touching on this, like tech and or design and tech and things like that, it's something that else that jumped out to me in the design report is like all these people that were like initially focused on just being engineering heavy, but like more unicorns becoming designer heavy or like becoming more designer centric. You kind of like talked about the trends where people were focusing more on hiring designers and where like these people can command the same type of of power and roles and, and salaries that engineers do and finding that type of talent is hard. So can you tell us a little bit more about these like design centric yep. unicorns and, or just firms right. in
2: general? What's hard about Silicon Valley mm and tech companies in general, is that think of those three kinds of design. Mm. If you throw a rock on the street and you're going to find a designer, they're more likely to be a classical designer. Mm -hmm. They're not going to understand prototyping and like code reviews and all these things that we talk about in tech design related Mm -hmm. to engineering and also product. So they're not the kind of design you want to hire. That's not how you want to hire. (laughs) They're great for other things, of course, but not yeah. for tech. Yeah.
1: Then
2: you have a design thinker. A design thinker can ideate, like, you know, come up with consensus, blah, 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 et cetera. Really important in a big company, but they're not useful in a startup. Because in a startup, it's like all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the picture, the concept. Did you finish it? Did mm-hmm. you yeah. ship it? Mm-hmm. So then you have to remember that the business schools make design thinkers. Mm-hmm. Art and, the art and design programs make the classical designers. Mm-hmm. Nobody makes computational designer. Yeah. There's no uh, factory for these people. And
1: that's a great point because a lot of the people in our community, they're coming from non-traditional backgrounds, which means that they may not have gotten neither the classical design or the like or the design, design think. thinking experience, but they are eager to contribute to the startup exact. ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is how does someone go and develop these skills and become part of this tech ecosystem?
2: Well, you just need three things. <laughs> you need capital. I'm keep going back to that, yep. yeah. which is very hard to get access to if you're not from a privileged family or in one of those networks. You need the ability to learn and have access to a computer to learn mm-hmm. because there are infinite resources available, like your podcasts tons of podcasts, tons of courses that are like almost free. And that is a great source of uh, personal empowerment. The third thing you need is networks. You need people who are like-minded, who you can learn from, you can skill up around. And if you don't have these three things though, it's hard to break in.
0: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense.
2: Do you you agree? Have you seen that too?
0: Yeah, Uh, I've seen that for sure. There's definitely programs like that interact like Interact project that we had Mo Woods on the program. He has like these different classes for free and he talks about not just seeing other people that look like you, so that going to your networks piece of things, mm-hmm. but also having access to tools. So he he gives, he always, he grew up in Richmond. He used to be a pro basketball player. He talks yeah, about did, how, well, you, yeah. how you know, you know the tools that you need. So you have access to a court for free, but if you, but sometimes you don't have access to a court. Like in San Francisco, you don't have access to a court. You know what it takes to become a pro ball player, so you can practice and refine and get better and experiment and practice your different moves and things like that. And so it's it's interesting, but yeah.
1: and a lot of it is kind of democratizing access to the tools, or like to yeah. kind of taking away the capital yeah. constraints and nope. making design more well known and just making the field more transparent so people Because people outside. aren't aware of it. Yeah.
0: And like and the, the thing about t- the tools and design, mm-hmm. which you talked about very well, John, in, in your report is that there aren't clear winners from a tool perspective in prototyping or interface design and project management or even control and file management. I, th- I think we it would be good to talk a little bit more about the tools that you've seen. I know for prototyping, it's like HTML, CSS, Envision, and then with like interfaces, sketch and stuff like that. So can you tell us a little bit more about tools? Oh my gosh, there's just so (laughs) many tools
2: every week, you know, on Product Hunt or whatever, like a brand new tool. Yeah. It's clear that the old way of making things with like Photoshop and things like that Mm -hmm. have given way to new entrants like Sketch and other people just entering this space, which I'm excited about. Mm -hmm. I am a big fan of shareware. I guess what used to be called shareware, now you just pay like 20 bucks for something. (laughs) in the app store. I love trying any kind of software to yeah. manipulate images or create diagrams to visually think. But what strikes me though, is that the tools haven't changed a lot underneath. If you think of like a version control,
1: yep.
2: mm-hmm. like Git and these kind of tools, or even the Unix command line, mm-hmm. these tools haven't changed at all. Mm-hmm. If you just open a terminal, I'm sure you, as, you, as you all yeah. do, just to get a podcast to work right. On your, your <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, I, I saw that terminal window, In the '80s, Uh so the the underlying layers haven't changed. Mm -hmm. So what that means to me is that more people can still access this kind of learning, Mm -hmm. totally. And the tools are cheap, Mm -hmm. so they can pay for them out of pocket if they make a trade off of like what they'll eat versus what they'll try. Yeah. So that excites me. That's why I love being in automatic and being in touch with the WordPress world, Mm -hmm. which I wasn't really tuned into, but I've met so many people who learned how to program Mm -hmm. because of WordPress.
1: Because of WordPress, yep. Yeah.
2: And I think it, being said, I was at MIT for so long, it was like an ivory tower where you had to be able to get in the network, afford to be there, and Mm -hmm. then you get access to this computer science knowledge. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I love that WordPress was like a blue collar tech ecosystem. Yeah where yeah. everyone could skill up. Yeah.
1: And it's actually kind of like, if you listen to a lot of stories of how people got into development, a lot of them tell you, yeah, I had a WordPress site, but then I wanted to tinker with it. I wanted to fix some HTML or CSS. And then once you make your first change and actually have a hands-on experience of like, oh, I just uh, made my website look good. like, And then you have a deep understanding of it and you have confidence that you could do much more. And then the people that pursue it and keep learning more without even realizing become software engineers yeah. web developers
2: that's why that the thing you said just now is why we just released in the WordPress swag store a WordPress university shirt <laughs> <laughs> for people wow. who came from this ecosystem that had no central location yeah, yeah. But skilled up. Yeah, I actually, like the scaling up thing. Yeah, yeah, we actually
1: interviewed our guest Lauren um, Bradfield on our show, and she she's a she's a big deal in like the coding bootcamp world, and she's yep. helping people level up and get their foot in the door when it comes to code. And the way she started was she had a personal blog, she wanted to make make it look good, she kind of learned HTML, CSS, and then she one. Thing led to another and she became a web developer which led her into tech and now she's a product manager yeah. at Teachable wow, so, that's so
0: cool. And yeah. Speaking of skilling up and accelerated learning can you tell us a little, I know you, said, you mentioned you use lynda.com a lot what are some other like free options that people can use it because I, uh, I know you keep going back to access to capital, right. I think it's important to talk about how people can get access to capital too but I think right. for people that listen to our show, some of them may not have privileged background. So it'd be good to know. Wait,
2: wait. Well, Linda, I, I pay for personally, yeah. so it does cost money. Yeah. But YouTube, I YouTube, mean, okay. I don't yeah. know how many tutorials I've watched on YouTube by some random young man who's like twelve years old <laughs> yeah. Apple Motion. Like, ah, oh, how do you how that how you do it? <laughs> like I listen to someone like in Eastern Europe describing how to write this bit of code. I'm like, oh I didn't know how to do that. And so I, I think that's 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 wide open now. Yeah.
1: yeah. And yeah. John, you mentioned you, you mentioned capital and we keep going to this notion of money. Yeah. We believe that one of the best ways to help our community to get that freedom is for them to get jobs. So you've advised a number of tech companies, a number of startups. What do you mm-hmm. think someone outside of tech should do in order for them to get their first design job in tech?
2: Well, I think you mentioned you both know Metali, who's amazing oh. mm-hmm. at tech jobs tour. Yep. Mm-hmm. I I was um, so I've been working in different parts of the United States, particularly Detroit, mm-hmm. and I've been able to work with a lot of neighborhoods that are on the other side of a digital divide mm-hmm. to learn more about this difference, this mm-hmm. vast difference in wealth and upper, but the, but the hope is still the same. So people are the same, but the opportunity is different. Mm -hmm. And I was talking with Megan Smith, who was the former CTO of the United States. And she said, hey, you know, we're going to go to West Virginia. Mm -hmm. I had this thing called Tech Jobs Tour with Leanne. And let's go. So I said, oh, I'll go. So I went to West Virginia and Kentucky Mm -hmm. to go to the other kind of underprivileged worlds Mm -hmm. of the Appalachian Mountains. Mm -hmm. and it was just so eye-opening and automatic is now a sponsor of tech jobs tour Mm -hmm. but her thesis i mean their thesis is many people there's all these tech jobs but these people can't access them for some reason Mm -hmm. because they don't have formal training they don't have ivy league like a pedigree Mm -hmm. they maybe did a coding boot camp learned on youtube or Mm self-taught how do they get these jobs and so they have these tech jobs tour as these job fairs mm-hmm. to connect employers to people who want these kinds totally. of jobs. Yeah.
1: And what was something that kind of surprised you when you visited West Virginia and like got to know their tech oh,
2: Wow. It was just, you know, it, it wasn't dissimilar than being in Detroit. Mm-hmm. I just met so many people who just had lost hope, don't have opportunity. Yeah. And because they don't have access to opportunity, things are bad. Yeah. Yeah. And... You know, when you watch the television, we're so po- uh, television or whatever, Facebook, whatever. We're so <laughs> polarized now. Yeah. Like you know, it's us versus us, and my us is is like we're both bad. Yeah. But when you like scrape away everything, you go to these neighborhoods. People just want to make a living, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what strikes me. Yeah.
1: yeah. Do you think in the next five to ten years we're gonna see a shift? And like you mentioned, remo- remote jobs, and then the barrier to entry is going to decrease the more available like, resources become online. Uh, do you think we'll see more people kind of on the other side of the digital divide entering this economy and contributing to the tech ecosystem?
2: Absolutely. Well, that's mm-hmm. why I'm so excited to be at a company that cares about this. Mm-hmm. I met this person in Detroit named Hodge Flemings. He had this dream to build websites for small businesses in neighborhoods that are not even on Google Maps. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so we backed his project. And what I like is that I'm at a company where I can do this. Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. tell me, people, someone said to me, oh, John, it's so good. You're like in these neighborhoods to help the poor people. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm trying to address our ignorance in tech mm-hmm. of who totally. we're serving. Yep. Yeah, Because you can't design products for people unless you're with the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: totally. 100%. You got to understand what they're going through. These people that you know, are going to be Either designing on their own or designing at an organization that's decentralized or centralized. Is the typical hierarchy for a designer going up? Is it like design fellow, principal designer, lead, senior? Like what's the kind of career path to go from bottom to top, like Uh, a, a general one?
2: Right. Well, you know, every company has a different ladder. When people ask me how I've done what I've done, I tell them I'm not sure. (laughs) <laughs> but I I worked real hard. What is that? Drake had that site starting from the bottom. Yeah, it's a good song.
0: <laughs> I started
2: from the bottom. I I grew up in a, a poor family in Seattle. That uh, my parents had no high school education mm-hmm. and dreamed for one of us to succeed and worked hard. For some reason, got through a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I know that's that's a that's a rare story. Yeah. So. Right now in my life, my goal is to share opportunity mm-hmm. with yep. other people. Totally. think so yep. it's things can happen.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome. And I love that you are, um, you're also, it seems like you're also fascinated by sound as well. I think in your design and tech report, you also talk about shaping voice. I think that could be done in multiple ways, not just through audio. But I think something that was unique about this report is that you recorded it in audio, but, you know, also there's storytelling elements. And, I know like some of these tech companies are thinking about storyboarding and how to like map out their vision over the next few years. I think you've been involved with those types of things as well. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. Well, I think you're honing in on something I believe in. That's, that's not a surprise to anyone, but for listeners who are looking to break in, number one, they have to have a story Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and number two, they have to be willing to listen to other stories. Mm -hmm. And in that process of listening, and sharing, we form connections. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We start to care.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit more about these stories that you've been sharing. Because I know you have, a, you have a, uh, stories that you share around diversity and inclusion and things like that. Can you tell us a little bit about that and where people can find it?
2: Yeah. Let's see. I write a lot about the tech sort of divide, <laughs> mainly because I didn't fully understand it until I got to Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. I think at MIT, when I was at MIT in the 90s, there was a big effort by the late Dr. Chuck Best on addressing the fact that at MIT in the 90s, there was a report launched saying, sharing data, about how women faculty has smaller lab spaces than men faculty. Mm-hmm. And all kinds of things were pointed out starkly as data. And Dr. Vest just went after it. And it was a public report. It was the New York Times. And I remembered, like, oh, I remember this is an important thing in the 90s. And then when I arrived in Silicon Valley and I kept hearing about like tech diversity, I didn't know what it was referring to because I thought that was solved. (laughs) And so when I arrived in Silicon Valley, I was like, oh, wait a second, there's a huge divide here. This is an issue. What can I do to change that through my own actions? And so, you know, I, I just read the latest post to know how to do better. You know, I, love the, um, I love the posts that advise you that if you're invited to speak somewhere and there's, and there's no women on the panel, you don't have to go there. Yeah. You can give your seat to somebody else. Or In all these, sta- what, all, all these practices that I've been reading about, I've really, really been excited to be able to utilize. And, you know, small actions make a difference. Mm-hmm. So for those who think that they can't make a difference, It's fairly simple. Just act. Just do. That's why I'm so active working with our customers. Someone asked me, "Why do? Why are you so passionate about talking with random people who use our (laughs) products?" And I'm like, "Well, because they use our products. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And they're coming from a place where they believe this product is going to lead to financial empowerment.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I want to know why, and I want to know how we can do it better.
0: Yeah. And we and we've talked a lot about positive aspects in tech. I think something else that jumped out to me and before we segue into Timur's next questions is the need for designers in security, these attacks that are happening. And I initially never thought about uh, designers in security. I always thought about software engineers in security. Um, but tell us a little bit more about designers in security.
2: Yeah, well, there are, there are a few designers who are active in security now. I think Area 51 is a security company that has a lead designer. And I've met a few other designers who are in security companies. The reason why it's important is because being broken into is scary. Yeah. And people can lose their jobs, number one. Number two is getting increasingly sophisticated. So we have to understand how is this attack being managed? So they're all design problems that have to communicate to people yeah,
1: I think the recent uh, break into Equifax with yeah. how they handled post the news they put up a website that wasn't well made and they used the URL that was e- easily fished and it was just kind of pointing out that there needs to be more thought that goes into the tech field, the security industry specifically and like quick response in a in a way that kind of puts the customer first uh, kind of conveys that and not just through, the actions but also through design which is very important something that you talk about is uh, stamp to steam can you talk a little bit more about what that what do you mean by that
2: oh yeah so i was in the education field for a long time mm-hmm. and i noticed that the art education was decreasing in america mm-hmm. in particular
1: mm-hmm.
2: i would visit schools and discover that the art classes were all removed mm-hmm. for science classes
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, an art classroom became a chemistry lab Mm -hmm. because the priority began high-centered because of tech, basically, Mm -hmm. around science, technology, engineering, and math, Mm -hmm. S-T-E-M. So I began advocating in Washington, D.C. to add art to Mm -hmm. STEM, turn Mm -hmm. STEM into STEAM. (laughs) And that became legislation in 2013 or so Mm -hmm. to bring back art into the schools. Mm -hmm. So that's something I led before. And why do you think that's important?
1: Because, oh. yeah, just a rhetorical question. Like, why do you think the emphasis, we shouldn't forget art and we shouldn't do, do you prioritize that compared to the other more quantitative fields?
2: Well, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we always point to the reason why STEM is important is because of President John F. Kennedy's, you know, moonshot. Even mm-hmm. in Silicon Valley, this phrase moonshot. And so, you know, do you need design? To make a rocket go to the moon, no, I need equations and chemistry and all this other stuff to get the rocket there. So what is this, what is this design thing? Why would I need it? Mm-hmm. And in doing so, we forget that everyone isn't going to get shot to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's this uh, computer problem. Like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm a nerd. I need a bigger screen. I need a faster yeah. processor and <laughs> I'll buy it. And at some point, people are like, no, I, I kind of want it to feel like something. Yeah, it's yeah. an experience. Yeah, so you won't succeed like Apple or, any, or 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 Google now if you don't have this feeling component, mm-hmm. at yeah. least in yeah. the consumer space. In the enterprise space, maybe feeling isn't important, but I would argue that Slack has proven that in the enterprise space, feeling matters too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you
0: could build a great product, but if you don't know how to use it or feels good, it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, and we're speaking about feelings, and I know, and earlier in the podcast, you mentioned that the iPhone. Kind of revolutionized and put a lot of emphasis on the consumer. Now, if we look at the technologies that all these big tech companies are working on, a lot of them are involved in AR, VR, and over the next, I guess, 10 to 20 years, that feeling is going to get even more intensified. So I wanted to just get your, since you're in the front lines, what are your predictions about where the puck is going so our audience can prepare and look forward towards the types of skills or the types of things that they should pay attention to?
2: Well, you know, the, the, you know, when I was at MIT, I was looking at the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I was in Silicon Valley. I was looking at this far future. Nowadays, I look at the everyday. So I'm, I don't have any prognostication on machine intelligence or autonomous vehicles. I know the tech, so I'm not saying I'm, I'm ignorant about it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. and I admire it. But now I just wonder about people who, I mean, we talk about machine intelligence and flippantly say, well, people will lose jobs. Well, this is like real people are going to yeah. be losing jobs. Yeah, And so what will they do? How will they make a living? Yeah, They monetize and you know have a life and have a family and do the things that they want to do. And they yeah. don't have to have a family, I'm like just a dog or whatever. It's okay. But like, how will they have that lifestyle if they aren't employed? And then you hear about like, you know, what is it? Um, there's that phrase in Silicon Valley. Was it the uh, universal income, whatever? Oh, universal how basic income. Yeah. Thank you. And so I think when you're in that echo chamber, you hear all these things. But when I talk to, like, I wouldn't say real people or regular people. (laughs) I would say talk to people people. Yeah. They've got dreams and hopes. They've got a boss they don't like.
0: Yeah. I mean, like the people that lived in San Francisco their whole life that can't live in San Francisco anymore.
2: Yeah. You just talk to them. They're not talking about autonomous vehicles or Elon Musk tweeted this or they're not stuck there. They're like, you know, I just got to eat. I yeah. want to see my friend. I wonder how my mom is doing. I can't afford to go visit my, you know, all this stuff that I find is much more interesting. Yeah. And so I'm really high centered on how do we enable more financial freedom yeah. for more people. Yeah. 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 If that's capable through technology skills.
1: Yeah. yeah. And yeah. what are some of the, some of the ways you think we can enable that or help enable um, that?
2: I haven't framed it yet, so thanks for asking this question. Let me try to frame it, and it'll be kind of it'll come out kind of messy. Yeah, okay. but I think it's like an org. It's, it's sort of like a you know there was those vegetables, you know there's those heirloom tomatoes. You know, oh, like yeah. you can buy supermarket tomatoes, you can drop them, they'll bounce, you yeah. know, and they don't taste like anything. <laughs> but at some point they realize, oh wait a second, you can make a tomato and you can grow it, and it's not mass manufactured, and oh, it tastes so good. Yeah. So I kind of want to believe that there's a lot of these sort of heirloom crops of services that are out there Mm -hmm. that someone's going to be happy to pay for. Yeah. Like one thing about being on, because I'm I'm constantly researching our customers, you know, when I find a customer out there who's like got a fitness, you know, she's a, a fitness trainer. She's a fitness trainer. Yeah. And she realizes, oh, well I can just add a payment button on my site. I can sell a half hour video. And a half hour Skype session or Zoom yep. session to train. Yep. Yep. And I just made some money. Yep. Uh-huh. And it's like, now I can like have a better weekend. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I like finding all these people out there who need audiences for their mm-hmm. goods, yep. but they're, good, they're, they're better goods than buying the, the average Jane Joe trainer tape mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. that has no taste yeah. to it. Yeah. You know?
1: yeah, totally. It sounds like kind of helping people unlock their potential and monetize it. Because if you think about it, all of us are unique in our own ways. We have our own strengths and weaknesses. And right now, like it's still, even though there's Shopify and there's platforms that enable you to kind of monetize that, it, it's still kind of hard. And there aren't clear examples of how uh, that's how people could do it but like you mentioned just by having a trainer put a uh a buy now button on their website now if her workout is that good she'll be able to have a lot of clients following and uh really differentiate
2: herself from everyone else it's just so it seems really simple almost simplistic mm-hmm. but i'm like having these aha moments like i was on the phone with this um person in Colorado pre bowl mm-hmm. she her husband has a photography expedition workshop thing mm-hmm. And she didn't know how to build a website at all. But <laughs> she heard that someone paid $20,000 to make a WordPress site. She says, you know what? I can do it myself. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Love it. And so she started it in July. In August, she added a new payment button that we just added in, in August. It was a weird coincidence. <laughs> 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 she added the payment button. And now she's like it, her, her, she's found a way to bring in money, do mm-hmm. the workshop. And she's feeling empowered. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Kind of stuff happening for a lot of people mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah yeah me too i think yeah. that's great
2: and i and i think these days too if you're in
1: high school and you're using all the social media now they have a way to also start making money either by like promoting things online which is pretty incredible yeah so john so at this part of the podcast we do the lightning round and this Get is where um, arthur rubin and i will ask you several questions we're really looking for any tactics strategies and advice that you've used to get to where you are today. So okay, to take correct. it away. Yeah. So this question takes us back to the basics. So imagine you moved to a brand new city, you didn't know anyone, and you're starting from scratch, and you only have $100. And we talked in this episode about kind of capital and how important it is. So if you only had $100, what would you do and how would you spend it to get back on your feet and break into design?
2: I would definitely use coffee, mm-hmm. free coffee. <laughs> free pizza also <laughs> meetups uh, as a way to bring people together mm-hmm.
1: awesome so you would organize a meetup and invite people that you admire or look up
2: to any well I would start from the bottom of anyone p- want pizza mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah R- write handwritten notes people that I think might want to have pizza together Uh huh. and get some candles you know and make it feel right yeah and just see who shows up
0: yeah yeah awesome so I know that you are an advisor to many people but who do you look up to? Like, who are your mentors?
2: Oh, well, they have to be my boss, Matt Mullenweg. Yeah. I just, I like that he really cares about freedom, democracy, people, people. Yeah. So I'm learning from him. People say, oh, he's younger than you. Well, I, I've learned from people younger than me all my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's fun to, to learn this way. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And
1: John, th- this question goes back to like your early days. So, what is the one piece of advice that you would give your 18-year-old self back when you were just starting out?
2: Oh, I'd give no advice at all. I would want them to fumble and <laughs> make the same mistakes I made that seem to turn out okay. So yeah. feeling is good. <laughs> well, it's kind of like uh, if, you want, if people want to go in the past and fix the, fix the bad things. Yeah. But the, I mean, the bad things made the good things good. Mm-hmm. Love it. Are
0: there any books or movies or music that you're inspired by. I know in your report, you, you had a quote from Chance the Rapper that said, you don't make songs for free, you make them for freedom. But are there any other inspirations to you that you watch that are outside I of type? I
2: love Chance the Rapper. I love how Chance the Rapper has monetized his work in a unique way. Yeah. Freedom, ownership. I love mm-hmm. that. In terms of movies, I well, my, my favorite is Lord of the Rings. Okay. I didn't know the storybooks. Mm-hmm. But the, the movie, I'm not in special effects, mm-hmm. but I remember having the DVD on Netflix, back when Netflix was DVD. Mm-hmm. And um, I kept it in too long. And so you remember there used to be DVD extras. Do you remember mm-hmm. there were mm-hmm. I remember, yep, yeah. directors, whatever, you know, yeah. like I don't think people have time to watch directors, whatever anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was about, I didn't know that Tolkien modeled Lord of the Rings after uh, World War One. Oh, I didn't
0: know that either. Because he
2: was the, yeah, he was a soldier in World War I. And it was when he realized that people from different classes need to work together when there's Ooh. a common uh, enemy. So all these different tribes are like the peasants, the no- noble people. Suddenly, they all had to work together against a common enemy. I liked that. The second I like thing I liked about it was how Tolkien pointed out that warriors are unique types of people. Yep. In that, usually, when there's danger, like so remember that Mount Mordor, this flaming mountain, yep. you know that's scary. Yeah. So normal people will run away from the scary mountain. Yeah. But warriors run, run towards the towards towards scary mountain. <laughs> so that always struck me as important. Very set important.
0: Of ideas. No, I love those sort of ideas. And and for for the people that want to stay in touch with you, I know you got to go. What's the best way? I know you have a, a huge Twitter following. Is it? Is that the best way, or what's the best way to stay in touch with you?
2: Oh, well, now I have a, I have a really simple blog. Uh, it's my last name, maida.pm. Mm-hmm. I'm very into PMing now. Mm-hmm. I love product management. Uh-huh. So, maida.pm, I have posts there. You can just add comments.
0: Okay. Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. Well, th- are there any last words you want to share with everybody?
2: Oh, I'm so glad to be on this podcast. It's an honor. <laughs> Thank,
0: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you.
2: Thank Honored you. to, to have you as much. well.
0: All man.
1: Thanks, John.
2: Thanks a lot, John. Thanks, John. Thank you.
1: Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter. or tell them to join the Breaking into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't want you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in.